So one of the major yesidas that we always say is that we live with a parsha, which means that every parsha sashavua, whenever we go around the Magal Hashana, whenever we go around the annual cycle of parshias, if we arrive at a parsha this week, then it's not by chance, it's not a coincidence. There's a very good reason that HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranged with his infinite wisdom that we should be at a certain parsha at a certain time in our life. And with that as a hakdama, I wanted to perhaps find something, a nugget, a golden nugget in this week's parsha that can really shed some light on what we're going through in our tzkufa, this manenu, this difficult and trying time that we have, this magefa, this terrible pandemic which is spreading around the world, and that every country in the world, whether it's Russia, whether it's America, or it's Israel, Europe, Africa, Asia, everybody is on lockdown, something very peculiar that we don't find, um, I don't know, in, in human history, perhaps this never occurred. And so we're grappling for answers, we're looking for ways of understanding the Ashkachas Hashem Ba'elam, what is HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing here? And that's a very difficult question. Whenever somebody asks what HaKadosh Baruch Hu's intention is, so if we had Nabiim, we would be able to go to them and answer, to get an answer. If we'd have uh, the Urim Mitumim, we'd be able to get an answer. Perhaps Kedayla Yisrael are equipped to give that answer, but we are in the darkness. We don't understand exactly what's going on. We are just small human beings that are trying to live our lives uh, with the right hashkafa satira and trying to come to terms with what we're going through. And so we look to the parsha for some answers as to what we're going to be able to uh, do in order to figure out a path through this, through this forest that we're in. So I was looking in the parsha and trying to find that answer, and I stumbled across a beautiful, beautiful yisaid from Abisal Salanter, the great father of the Musar movement. In the year 1848, there was a pandemic in Europe. It was called, in Hebrew, we call it the Chaylera, which uh, could be translated as the really evil disease. But in English, I believe the way that it's pronounced is cholera. And cholera was a plague that was devastating in Europe. Thousands, hundreds of thousands perhaps were killed as a result of this pandemic, this epidemic. And the Jews were going through a very, very hard time. The whole world was going through a hard time, but the Jewish communities especially were suffering. And there was famine and there was illness and very, very similar in certain ways to what we're going through. It was very contagious and it was a very big pachad. Many people were dying, Jews were dying. And I guess it was towards the, either the beginning or the end of this plague when Jews were still davening in shul together. And 
just as a famous, this isn't exactly the part that I wanted to share with you, but just historically, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter famously on the night of Yom Kippur during this epidemic, when Jews were very, very sick, very ill, and they could not afford to fast on that Yom Kippur, but yet many, of course, wanted to, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter got up in a shul that he was not the rub of, and I don't know if he got even permission to do this, but he felt that this was important, and Kol Nidre night, after Mayrev, when everybody was about to go home and go to sleep and come back the next day for the Yom Kippur morning davening, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter did something very surprising in that he went up to the Amr, to the, where the rabbi, the pulpit, where the rabbi speaks from. He took a bether filled with wine and he took some mezainas, he had some cake, and he basically made Kiddush with the Yom Kippur Nusuch. You know, we don't ever, Baruch Hashem, hopefully none of us have ever made Kiddush with the Yom Kippur Nusuch because who eats on Yom Kippur, they need to make Kiddush, but Chaylam, when they eat on Yom Kippur, there is a special kid. They have to make kiddush and they have to and they have to bench, and that's all part of the avayda of a chaylan yom kippur. He also has an avayda yom kippur, and that's his mitzvah. So Rabbi Salanter got up, and everybody's jaw was dropping. Obviously, this is yom kippur night. This is the night that um, is if you eat, it's kares. If you eat in an inappropriate way, and here Rabbi Salanter gets up. And he makes Kiddush in front of the entire shul, maybe hundreds of people there and there with their machzairim and sitting or standing solemnly. And he says the Kiddush, he eats mezainus in front of everybody, and then he's mitzavah, everybody. He commands everybody in that seabor and everyone else in the city of Vilna, the large Yerveim Yisrael. he's commanding everybody to go home and to make Kiddush for themselves and their families and to eat, and to drink, and to be healthy. He says, we are being machmer this year on Pikuach Nefashis in, in Vilna. This is the time of our lives that we have to make the exceptions to the rules. And although every year, of course, you have to fast in Yom Kippur, but this year, our mitzvah is not to fast, our mitzvah is to eat. And this created, obviously, a very big brouhaha in the shul that he was in, uh, and in the city that he was in, there's a lot of uh, historical documents that are written about the aftermath of this decision of Abishel Salanta, very controversial, but he was doing this in order to save the lives of the people of Vilna. This is just something I think it's instructive to keep in mind when you find uh, that there are these, uh, nowadays we're living in times that the Rabbanim and the Paiskim and the doctors are all telling us do not daven in, in porch minyanim, in basement minyanim, in backyard minyanim. And people think that they're being very from by, by outsmarting them and making minyanim. And we're all dying to, you know, to hear a Yeshmei Rabba and a Kaddish and a Baruch and a Chazar Sashatz and a Kaddish. Everybody wants to do that. Nobody's looking to avoid that. I don't think anyone is happy to be davening B'yechidus these days. But if this is what our mitzvah is, if our mitzvah is to daven v'yechidos, then that's, we should be doing that in, and doing it for simcha, because that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what exactly the Ebeshter wants us to do right now. If Rabbi Yisrael Salanter makes Kiddush in his shul on Yom Kippur night during an epidemic, then we should be able to daven v'yechidos during an epidemic and not feel that we have to out from anybody.
that epidemic in 1848, that cholera epidemic um, brought about many people as are coming out today, these days in our epidemic, the world doesn't really change. History, it said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it, it rhymes. It basically, it's constant. There's a, a constant chorus throughout history. Things that happened 150 years ago are happening exactly the same way today. And just like um, today, there are people that are trying, scratching their heads, trying to figure out why is this happening? I know why we're not davening in a shul, because Akadosh Baruch was angry with the fact that uh, we're talking in davening, or we have, um, uh, you know, we don't, uh, our, our houses are too fancy, our kitchens are too nice, and the shul's kitchen is not, everybody has their own tyra as to what's wrong with Pal Yisrael, what's wrong with uh, the shuls, what's wrong with the yeshivas, what's wrong with uh, the Beis what's wrong with women, what's wrong with, uh, with children, what's wrong, everybody has their own tyra and their own theories, why HaKadosh Baruch Hu made this terrible gezerah against us. And like now, this was ancient history. People always did this. Every time there was a Magaif and Klal Yisrael, people were pointing fingers at other people. I know why this is happening. It's because this, these people are too modern, or these people are too from, or these people are acting inappropriately in shul, or they're not sneistic. Everybody has Taira about other people not doing the right thing, which is causing our boat to sink. And somebody came to Rabbi Salanter and he said, I think I know why this cholera epidemic is spreading throughout Europe and the Jewish communities are getting decimated by it. I think it's because of this particular reason. I don't know what the reason was, but it was some Lashonara that was basically said against Bal Yisrael that uh, he felt that this is what needed a tikkun, this is what needed correction, and until this correction is done, uh, we're not going to be able to get out of this epidemic. And Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, with his... With his compassion, but yet with his strength, looks at this Yid in the, in the eye and says, Reb Yid, I want you to know something. There's a Pasuk in Parsha's Tazria, this week's Parsha, and the Pasuk says, if you want to look it up, it's in Parak Yud Gimel, Pasuk Memvav. The Pasuk says, Kol Yimei Hanega Bay Yitma Tamehu. As long as the tsaru, as long as the Mitzayra has the nega, he's Tameh. He's officially Tameh. Badad yeshev michutz lamachen And his, he has to, in order to be misaking what he did wrong, in order to get rid of the nega, you don't have to go to a drugstore and get some, get some, uh, some, some uh, antibiotics or get some uh, vaccines. The way to get rid of the nega is you go out of the machana, you have to dwell outside of the machana Yisrael, meaning you have to go into isolation. You can't even be together with other mitzayram, meaning there might be 20, 30, 100 different mitzayrams sitting outside the machana. Don't go with them. You have to go and sit together with yourself. You have to be in bididut, you have to be in isolation. You have to go outside of the machana. Now, Rabbi Salanti says like this: What's the reason why a mitzayra gets tsaras? So the truth is that there is a lot of reasons that are given in the Gemara and Erfin, 
But the most famous reason that we all know for the for why Saras comes on a person is because of Lashonara. Every school child knows that Lashonara is the reason for Tsaras. In fact, the Gemara says, Zaistia Tairas Amitsaira. Amitsaira is a is a conjunction of three words. Zeis Tairas Hamitsi Shemra. Maitsi Shemra. Mitsaira is related to the words Maitsi Shemra. Because Maitsi Shemra is really like a form of Lashonhara, and that's what causes Saras to come. What is the reason, says Rabbi Salanter, behind a person speaking Lashonhara? Why is it, is it such a, a taiba for us to speak Lashonhara? Why is it so popular uh, to go and speak Lashonhara? Everybody's into it. Everybody's obviously, it's a, it's a very big uh, uh, Avera and a very widespread Avera. Otherwise, the Chavetz Chaim would not have made such an uh, international campaign against it. He wouldn't have written his svarim. The Torah would not have given us so many essays and lavin against it. And uh, we know that it's a very easy thing to slip up in. Why do people speak Lashon Hara? So Rabbi Salanta says that the lumdus behind Lashon Hara, what drives a person to speak Lashon Hara is basically that he's looking at Yenim and saying that he has it wrong. Meaning, when I'm speaking Lashon Hara, think about what you're doing. What I'm doing when I'm speaking Lashon Hara is I'm, the assumption is that I'm perfect. I'm fine, nothing wrong with me. Can't find anything wrong with what I do. I'm, my mitzvahs are perfect, my averis are, perfect, are, 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 are non-existent, but everybody else is an avarian. Otherwise, how would I have the chutzpah to speak Lashon Hara? I can go and say that Pliny is, uh, is a ganif and I'm so pure. I could say Pliny is, uh, he talks during davening, and I never speak during davening. Pliny is Mavatal Taira, and I'm not Mavatal Taira. So the assumption that what's really bad about this, the psyche of a, of a Malshan, of somebody that speaks Lashonara, is that he's basically saying that he's okay. Shalom alay nafshi, my, my nafesh is perfect, I'm good. But that guy is not good. That guy is, he's too modern, he's too from, he's too, uh, he's too, uh, he, he doesn't care about people, uh, she's not a nice person, she's disgusting to me, she's, uh, she's uh, this and she's that, and this yeshiva is for the birds, and this city is for the birds, and that uh, segment of Pa Yisrael are, are creating a very big, uh, a very big Hashem. We're always looking at other people, other groups, and casting blame on them. But on me, I'm fine. I'm Baruch Hashem. I got it just right. You know, it's like when people say, uh, you know, he's normal, you know, or she's normal. Who's who's judging who's normal? By whose by who's measuring stick do we do we decide normalcy? What's normal to me is not normal to somebody else. So I'm saying, oh yeah, he's very or he or she is very very normal. Who says? Maybe I'm crazy. So who says that? Uh, by who are we judging by? If I say somebody's too from, or I say somebody's too modern, what, who am I to say somebody else is too modern? A Satmar Chassad looks at me like a Sheikhitz, right? He's, he thinks that I'm too modern. So who am I? I'm saying that somebody else is modern. I'm saying that somebody else is from, too from. What do you mean? A person that's modern thinks I'm too from. Who knows who's, who's really modern, who's from, who's yeshivish? I think I'm yeshivish, right? But if I go to a guy in Lakewood or Panovich, he looks at me like a bum. 
So who, by, by, where do I have the ability, how do I have the ability to say about somebody else that he's not good or she's not good? That's assuming that I'm perfect and that's so wrong, that's so false. So you know what Rabbi Salsalantar says? Stop speaking Lashon Hara about Yemen. Stop saying that the Magepa, the Chayla Ra, came about as a result of this part of Klai Yisrael, that part of Klai Yisrael, this Avera, that Avera. That's, that's not acceptable behavior. You know what the Torah says? If you have this Magepa, if you have this, this terrible disease called Lashon Hara, which causes your Tsaras to be spreading around your body and your house, you know, and your Begadim, you know what you're supposed to do? Don't look at other people. Stop blaming other people. Look inward. Badad Yeshev. Go outside in isolation. Go into quarantine. Go outside of the community. Stop looking at everybody else. Take your glasses off and look internally. Look in a mirror and see exactly what you're doing wrong. And when you figure that one out, then perhaps you can be able to be healed from the Magefa of Saras, because Saras is not Yenim's fault. Saras is Lashnar, which comes about because you're looking too much at Yenim and blaming him and talking about him. And as soon as that stops and you start looking internally at your own problems, then we can start fixing the problem. This is what Rizal Salantu says. You want to fix this Magefa? Stop casting blame. You're casting blame on Klai Yisrael. Your Lashon Hara against segments or individuals in Klai Yisrael is exactly what's exacerbating and metastasizing the Magefa in Klai Yisrael. When you have a Magefa, when you have a Tsaras, the best thing to do is go into isolation, go into quarantine, go into Bididut, and look internally and think just long and hard inside myself, what am I doing wrong? And when I can do that, suddenly the Magefa could stop. Because imagine if every Yid, instead of looking at Yenim and blaming him and, and pointing a finger at him or them, he's able to say, I don't know what causes this. I don't know what God has against Pali Yisrael. Maybe he has nothing against Pali Yisrael. Maybe Pali Yisrael are doing just fine. Maybe it's me. And if everyone on this screen, all these boxes in front of me, are able to just work on themselves, including myself, and we could just say, you know what, maybe my davening is not good enough. Forget about Klai Yisrael's davening. Maybe my davening is not good enough. Maybe I, I don't have the proper kabana. My learning is not intense enough or it's not long enough. Maybe I'm being the battle terror too much. Maybe I'm not being nice to my family, to my friends. Maybe I'm speaking nibbleteh, lashon hara, rechilas. Maybe I've been just, in general, lax with my Yerushamayim and with my Shemir Seinayim, all of the things that we own, only we know these things. These are things that we know ourselves to be true, possibly, but the only way to do that is to sit alone in isolation and think about it, not to look at other people. You know, we have the, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, I think it's more a bad thing than a good thing, but we have the ability now that we're all in quarantine and isolation we have windows to the world, right? We're able to go on our phones or go on our computers and see, or our radios, whatever the case may be, and know whatever is going on in the entire world, in every community in the world. And we have in real time news and, and pictures and videos and everything of the good, the bad, and the ugly. But that's not really, you know, imagine in, back in the olden days in 1848 or in the time that the diary was written, would say, imagine what that means, Bedidus. And that, that means 
shutting off everything. Just, there's no, like, imagine being in a room with like in solitary confinement in some dungeon of a prison without any ability to look outside. You can't see anything else. You can't be distracted at all. All you have is you and yourself. That's it. And you're just stuck in a room with yourself and you have time to think long and hard about yourself, not about Yenim. That's what the Torah advises. And if we could shut off our devices for a few minutes a day and just think, what did I do wrong? How could I improve my Avedis Hashem and my Benadim Chabera and my Benadim L'Atzmai? If a person could do that, that would be a, a, a beginning, a very good beginning, and maybe an end to, this, to getting rid of this Magepa. I saw a, a, a beautiful quote. Um, it's, I guess it's going around, I don't know, but somebody, a lot of people have their agendas in life. Meaning, and they're, 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 they, they mean well. Sometimes you have people that come to shuls or yeshivas, and their job is to, um, is to, uh, is to make sure everybody's tefillin is in the right place. You ever see these people, they go to, from shul to shul, and they make sure your tefillin are, if your tefillin are hanging over your head too far, they go and they offer very nicely to make it tighter. And, uh, you know, that's one type of person where there's some people have an agenda to, uh, you know, to write a safer tire for Klal Yisrael, which is spreading around right now. Some people have a different, I don't mean, when I say the word agenda, sometimes that sounds like it has a negative, pejorative type of connotation. I don't mean that, but they mean well. People mean well. People want to do things for Klal Yisrael. They want to make sure that people are reading Chadosh or are Machbin on Chadosh or they're um, on Yashon, I should say, or they're, uh, you know, or they're not watching internet or they're not doing this or that. Everybody has their own, has their own thing that they, not everybody, but a lot of people have their agendas for Klal Yisrael. And, you know, they, they want to start a gemach or they want to collect tzedakah for certain causes. And they're basically imposing their hashkaf or their, their uh, desires to do, to change things for the better on Klal Yisrael, which is good. It's okay. It's fine. So when Shmuel Birnbaum was sitting Shiva for his son, Shmuel Birnbaum was the famous Rosh Hashiva in the mirror in Brooklyn. He was a living Sefer Torah. He was uh, the, the tremendous Masmid that we spoke about so often. And when Shmuel Birnbaum lost a son, he actually lost more than one son, tragically. When he lost his son, so he was sitting Shiva, and somebody comes in to be Menachem and says to Shmuel Birnbaum, uh, would Rosh Hashiva, you know, want me to check his mezuzah? This, this is a guy who had an agenda, you know, always make sure, you know, he wanted to make sure everybody's mezuzah was kosher. And, you know, yeah, that's always the easy answer. You know, check your, if something bad happens, check your mezuzahs. So, and that was his thing. So he wanted to basically go and check Rosh Hashiva, in a nice way, meant well. Shmuel Berman was suffering from the loss of a beloved son. He was in deep pain. And this yid comes in with his, with his thing, you know, I want to check your mezuzahs. So Shmuel Berman said the following vart to him. Please don't use my pain to push your agenda. Don't use my pain to push your agenda, meaning that a person has to 
be able to be sensitive. Don't look at other people. Shulman was in pain. He was going through a tremendous sorrow. And this guy, he, he meant well, but he's pushing his agenda on him, Shmuel Berman, at a time of sorrow. That's not the right thing to do. A person has to look inward. That guy wants to check the mezuzah in his own house. day, go for it. But don't come into somebody else and start pointing fingers and accusing him of not having kosher mezuzahs when he's going through tzaras. That's not what we do. Yidin are not supposed to look at Yenim and say, You're, you have a problem. That's not what we do. We say, we have a problem sometimes, or, or I have a problem. I'm always mocked personally whenever I give a schmooze. And if I don't say it explicitly, I, I think I say it enough throughout the year that everybody understands. I'm, when I give a schmooze on a topic, I'm not saying it's not to imply that I have this right and everybody else needs to improve themselves. I care. I know that everybody that I'm talking to has it right, and I need to improve. And I'm just, I, I know a lot of people say, I'm just talking to myself and you can listen. That's very cliche, but I really mean it. I don't, I don't, I'm not giving a schmooze to people feeling that I'm perfect and you're not. I feel you're perfect and I'm not, and I'm just speaking it out for myself. And that's the right way to do things. You don't give muster to people and criticize them. It never works. But if you're able to work on yourself and then other people could be inspired by the way you're davening, you're learning, you're behaving, that's the way to do it. I called Rav Aaron Shefter, my Rosh Hashiva, on Arab, on Arab Pesach to wish him a good yantiv, as I always try to do. And we were talking about, you know, this tkufa that we're in. And I guess I was in violation maybe of this part that I was saying, but I asked him, you know, why, why is this happening? What's going on over here? I wanted to get the Urmatum. I wanted to get the Astaira. Like, what, what are we doing wrong as a people to, to deserve this? Like, what, why is there a Shalom making us have to shudder our shuls and, 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 and no yeshiva. Like I was in yeshiva, to, I got into yeshiva on, uh, on uh, Tuesday, I think. I got permission to get into the building finally. I needed to get this computer that I'm using and, uh, and some sarum that I needed for this man and, and other things for my office. And I and Mamash had to go through all of the hierarchy of Turo to get Rabbi Bamberger into the building. You'd think that I was Mamash like a you know, in order to get into the building, I had to mamish Jonathan, I had to contact uh, the dean, who had to get permission from the senior vice president of the Torah College to get permission for me to go into the building for an hour. Anyway, so I called, uh, I called, uh, so, oh, so when I was in the building, I went into the base medish and I took a picture I don't know, if I would be very good with technology, I guess I'd be able to maybe put up that picture uh, on the screen right now, but I'm not. But um, it was a picture, and I took a video also, of what the yeshiva, what the base medish looked like on the first day of the Zman. It was just such a depressing scene. It was a, the base medish. All the lights were off in the base medish. It was empty. I just I, I brought my son with me to help me schlep, but that was it. It was just me and him in an empty base medrash, a dark, gloomy, and this is the first day of this man, which is the day that everybody actually comes to base medrash. And it was a day that, uh, you know, that uh, is normally pumping and then the adrenaline is high and everybody is like the cult is at an all-time high. Everyone's by davening and, and excited and their kaivitz is, you know, uh, with the, the, the 
empty. Why not could a Shvarflu do this? I asked him. And he said, I don't know the answer. Period. That's it. Not a very inspirational uh, vart. I'm sure everybody was like hoping that, I don't know the answer, but it's the, he said, no, I, I don't know the answer. That's the right answer. That's the perfect answer. We don't know why Akadosh Baruch Hu is doing this. You know, it's like what the Chavetz Chaim used to say about people that say when Mashiach is coming. He says, those that say, don't know. And those that know, don't say. If there was a person that knows why this is happening, I don't think he would say. And the people that are saying that they know, they don't know. And that's the hashkafa. The hashkafa is that don't speak Lashon Hara about Klai Yisrael, what we're doing wrong, we need to stop this and start that. What we have to do is look inward. It's this parsha. The parsha is telling us exactly what we're supposed to be doing. It's very simple. We're in isolation. The Rabbi Shalom couldn't make it clearer. The message is not to sit in isolation and figure out campaigns for Klal Yisrael. The message is sit in isolation and think about campaigns for you and me and privately. And when we're able to do that, then we'll realize that maybe it was, it was my fault and not your fault or it was your fault and not my fault or something. Each of us have to make our own cheshbon and then be able to come out of isolation whenever this thing ends and have brand new eyes, brand new eyes about ourselves and about the world. Meaning, a lot of times we think that Klal Yisrael, a lot of times we think that Klal Yisrael has a lot of problems. And, you know, we look at uh, some chilashems that are happening sometimes in the papers and online. We see a lot of things that are very unfortunate. So we think, ah, Klal Yisrael. Maybe it's more important to look inward and see that Klal Yisrael is beautiful and that we have to earn our place in Klal Yisrael. Maybe I'm the one that doesn't belong in Klal Yisrael, not that Klal Yisrael doesn't belong in me. Klal Yisrael is beautiful. Pasuk says in Shir Hashirim, Nove, that Klal Yisrael is Shreira uh, Ani V'Nove. I am Shreira, but Klal Yisrael is beautiful. V'Nose Yerushalayim. Klal Yisrael is beautiful. If there's a problem, it's me. But Klal Yisrael is perfect. I mean, if you look around at what's going on, if you look around at what's going on in Klal Yisrael today, you'll see great beauty. You'll see the amount of tzedakah that's being given to total strangers. If you go on any of these websites, the quote-unquote from websites, it's all, there's a million pop-up ads or pinned ads as you're scrolling down the screen and looking for, for, for news, you'll find that there's um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of tzedakah campaigns. Who are these tzedakah campaigns for? These are people that nebuch or nifter in the prime of their life from this coronavirus. These are people that were regular, healthy, robust people just a mere day, few days or weeks ago, and suddenly they're lost. And, and if you notice, these people that are dying are not regular people. 
these people have tremendous, tremendous yichas to them. These are people like the Navarminsky Rebbe, who was the Reish HaGodes Yisrael, you know, one of the top Rosh Yeshivas in America and one of the great Sadikim and great Tamdecham in the world today. Nifter, in the prime of his, I mean, he was 89 years old, but he was still healthy and strong and leading Klal Yisrael and speaks, uh, an eloquent spokesperson on behalf of Klal Yisrael, a Machaber Svarim, a Rosh Yeshiva, uh, a, a Rebbe, a Chassidish Rebbe. He just collapsed on one morning and he was nifter. Within a few hours, he was nifter. And then you have Tamil Chacham in, in Brooklyn and in Lakewood and in Queens, our own, you know, with the yeshivas and, and, and Flushing and Kigarn Hills. We lost Rabbi Bloom, the Matisio Bloom, a tremendous Tamil Chacham who I was quite close with. And he davened a lot in the same show that I davened when I'm not in yeshiva. He wrote Tyra Ladas, those newsletters that are in every shul in the world, maybe for 30 years. He's been consistently writing them every single week. He was at Sadik of a Yid. He, he checked the, the Arab in, in, in Kew Garden Hills every Arab Shabbos for years and years and years. He was, uh, you know, the real deal. Within a few days, he was Nifter, leaving over a family of many Yisayim and Almana. And the list goes on and on. They had to set up a special website called Kavod Achrein. If you want to look at it, it's, it's heartbreaking. Kavodachrein.com, I think it is. And it's just a list of the people that were nifter from Corona, the, the from Yidin that were nifter from Corona. And they're, because they're all, they're being nifter so fast that you don't give, you don't have the, the ability to give them the Kavodachrein that they deserve. You, these are people like the Nabarminsker Rebbe, if he would have been nifter in normal times, we have a levaya of tens of thousands of people, easy. And there would be obituaries in every paper, you know, pull-out sections, and he'd be, I mean, he is on the cover of a lot of these newspapers and magazines, but was he given the proper covered after him? You can't, because as soon as you're, you're absorbing that news, there's another blow, and another blow, and another blow. Another Tamil Chacham, another, another Balabayas, who was a, a big Bal or very big in Milas Chesed, and gave uh, money Barabbas to, to to people or had a great story or was involved in Kirov or a woman that was at Sadekis and you know you can read on and on and on there's I think there's like 20 pages in this covenant after and there's hundreds of people that were nifter from a Yidin that were nifter and it's we're living in terrible times and a lot of these people that were nifter leave over five Yisaimim and Yisaimis or or seven or ten or twelve and a lot of them are not married, these some, and they're going to have to pay for all their living expenses and, and getting them having bar mitzvahs and having and paying for chasnas. And who's going to do this? The almana is going to do it. She's, she's barely capable of keeping herself afloat and keeping normal. So Klai Yisrael jumps into the rescue and they make these charity campaigns and they make these festive fund campaigns. And look at what's going on. Just check it out. Hundreds of thousands of dollars for every single person that's, that has a campaign for him or her. Some of them reach up to a million dollars. These are not people that are in our community necessarily or our family members, but people are swiping their credit cards to the tune of $18, $36, $100, $1,000, $5,000, and for total strangers, and not just one, but there's lists and lists and lists of millions of dollars have been raised. Exactly how much, I don't know. I would probably venture to say 
um, 10, 20 million dollars over the last month has been raised through just Yisayman Almanis alone. I'd like to see that in any other community in the world. I'd like to see that in, in any other country in the world, that you have people that are strangers. I don't know them. It's not like a coworker that we're, we're putting together a few bucks for. These are people that I don't know at all, but I read their story, my heart breaks, and I give to them. Me Who's Who is like Paul Yisrael? We're greedy people. We're cheap people. There's no people like us. There's no one in the world that could, that could even closely match what we do. You know, there was a president, there's somebody running for president today um, who, you know, they have to disclose what their income is on their tax forms. They have to disclose how much charity was given. And his income was, I think, well over a million dollars. And the amount of charity that he gave was maybe a few hundred dollars. Out of a million dollars of income, he gave a few hundred dollars in charity. It's not nicer, it's not a, it's not, it's not a, it's not a 20th, it's not a 50th. It's nothing, it's mamish prutus. And I don't know if every, I'm not saying every guy is like this, there are many, there are very generous guys in the world as well, I'm sure. But, but Klai Yisrael is Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael is unique in how much they're able to give generously to strangers just because they're Yidden. Hatzalah, we always speak about so fondly, Hatzalah are people that they're always Meisr Nefesh, and they're always Meisr their Shabbos and Yom Daivim to go and to uh, save other people's lives and help them in their time of need at personal cost, not just for themselves, but for their families. Imagine on a Friday night in the, in the winter and your family wants to spend time with you and you would get a Hatzala call and you have no choice but to jump out of your chair and say goodbye and have your, your wife and your children alone. To, for who? Not for your mother, not for your father, for a total stranger that you don't know, you never will know, and, and, but you're going out for them. Me so, And that's in regular times. And now in the time of Corona, you're literally putting your life at risk by possibly being able to uh, to catch the virus from total strangers just for the sake of saving somebody else's life. That's an incredible thing. It's a voluntary ambulance service. These are not the paid FIDNI ambulances or regular, you know, profiting ambulance companies. This is all free. This is all completely voluntary. They're not getting paid a nickel for it. This is Kal Yisrael. Well, Yisrael was a great people. The amount of tillim that are being said for, for Yidin all over, the, all over the world that have the virus, and there's these women's um, WhatsApp groups, and they're all sharing tillim and going, you know, trying to finish tillim after tillim after tillim. Uh, there's a, a Yid in the five towns, of Arif who they're making huge campaigns from, and they, I, I, you know, he was literally at death's door, and they... And I think all of the Tillam and all the, the learning and everything that was done for him, I think literally is bringing him back day by day. He's off a ventilator. He's literally, his kidneys were not functioning. He was not able to, uh, to breathe without a ventilator. Uh, he was literally, they thought, they, they counted him out. They already wrote him off. And then they made uh, to all these Tillam, Arab Shabbos Tillam, and this Tillam, and that Tillam, and somebody in Lakewood 
I saw sponsored on Erev on the day of Badika's Chametz, right before Badika, which is always uh, everyone's going crazy in the house. The women are trying to clean up and the kids are in the way and they're eating Chametz. And they made a central depot somewhere in Lakewood as a schus for this Rav. They gave away, or they some, some Kavir, I guess, sponsored 10,000 hot dogs to be given out to all of the, whoever wanted to come in Lakewood to this central place that they can eat on Arab Pesach and, you know, stay out of the house and make brachas and bench in the schus of this year. And, and he's coming back. He's off a ventilator. He came out of the ICU. Now he's in a, he's in a regular room in the hospital. And, and there's the hope is very high that, uh, that he's going to completely get out of this, which is a, a nice nigla. But me Yisrael, is there any other nation in the world that are saying psalms for, for, for sick people that they don't know who they are? just because there's a list of sick people, it doesn't make sense. We're, we're a very unique nation. And as we sit in isolation, we should appreciate how great Klai Yisrael is and how we could possibly earn the title of being a Yid, what we're doing wrong and what we could do better. That's the job of being in isolation. That's perhaps why Akadosh Baruch Hu designed it exactly the way he did, because he wants us to not blame Klal Yisrael, not figure out what Klal Yisrael is doing that's so terrible that put us into this matzah. He wants us to appreciate Klal Yisrael and at the same time be able to figure out in our isolation exactly what we're doing wrong as individuals. Klal Yisrael is really a nation of individuals and we can figure out what we personally need to improve not in drastic measures. This isn't a Muslim shmuz that we all have to mamish, you know, change and become, uh, become Rav Aaron Cutler overnight. That's not what we're trying to say here. But make little change, one little change in our life. Daven Psuki de Zimra. Now we have an opportunity these days to Daven Psuki de Zimra like a mensch. We can't have the excuse, you know, it's too fast, the Shlatsibra is going too fast, I can't do it, and it's, it's impossible. It's, you know, this meaning is not for me. We don't have anyone to blame. And now we have all the time in the world. We dive in like a mensch. Say brachas with kabana. I'm talking to myself. Say psukha de zimra with kabana. Slowly with ni'imas, with a little bit of a niggin. We had a howl today. Singing a little bit with kabana. Tomorrow we'll have another howl. Get close to the Abishter during this time. Whatever we couldn't do because of the hustle and bustle of our daily lives and our daily schedules, now we have time to chill, to relax a little bit, and to figure out ourselves what we could do as, as, as individuals to make ourselves better. You know, we started with a Vart. And one more thing that I saw that Claudia Yisrael did amazing on Chalamayed. There are people that care. Like, there are people that care. They understood. You know, we just say, hey, what's going to be Chalamayed? We can't go out. We can't go to Great Adventure. There are people in Klayasel that paid a lot of money. I happen to know who these people are to send trucks out to different communities to spread simcha to the people in isolation. If you in, in Queens, we had one day of Cholamayi. There was a beautiful uh, truck that was going around blasting music. I happened to be in Brooklyn one day of Cholamayi, and I saw a, a very famous singer on the back of a truck singing. Um, and there were, I think, five trucks going around Brooklyn that day. Sponsored was Eichon Nishmas, uh, a of a woman. Uh, you know, the, the, the top singers. It's not cheap to get the top singers to come to your chasma. And that's indoors in a nice place where you get to eat. Imagine how much it costs 
to, to sponsor, to pay them to go on a truck in a cold, you know, spring day around Brooklyn or around uh, Muncie. Not cheap. But Klaishal wanted to bring Simcha to other people. The other day I was in Brooklyn, yesterday I was in Brooklyn, and uh, you see that I'm really officially obeying this quarantine. But um, it's all for essential goods, of course, shopping for Shabbos. And, um, but we went, and, and I, I looked, there was like a, you know, a big uh, noises coming out of a, of a truck, like music and, and sound blasting. And I thought, this is strange. It's not Cholomite anymore. Why, why are they uh, being Misameach people here? So it was a Birch Silanis truck. There was a truck going around with two trees on it. With, uh, with, with a bracha that you can make on Birchus Ilanus uh, blazoned on the side of the truck. And, um, and, and there was, and there was uh, a, a voiceover as the truck was gone by with the actual bracha being said. And, and beautiful, beautiful. Mikam Yisrael, who is Klai Yisrael? Who is like Klai Yisrael that would think to do that? First of all, to think to do that and then to pay to do it. It's not cheap. And to uh, implement it, to find trees, put them on a truck. Who's doing this? Klai Yisrael's doing this. Klai Yisrael's doing this. It's an amazing thing that we are zeichet to be members of this very exclusive club called Klai Yisrael. Don't blame anything on Klai Yisrael ever. Look at Klai Yisrael with beautiful eyes. And if there's a problem within ourselves, that we have to work on. But don't project our own problems on Klai Yisrael. We might have a problem with talking in Dominic, but don't make it Klai Yisrael's problem. It's not our business to, to tar and feather and Uma Shlema. We all are in Bedidos. We're all in isolation. That gives us the opportunity to look at ourselves with new eyes and with good eyes also. Look at ourselves good. We're also amazing people as individuals. But there's always one little thing that maybe we could work on. Maybe benching out of a, out of a bench or maybe uh, learning a little more, a little deeper, having, a, having a, being mapped more on, uh, you know, on Shemir Senayim or being Maver Sedra more better with Rash, whatever it is. Every person has to figure it out for themselves. There's no, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answers. It's just, it's just us. Um, but yes, you could still make Birch Hasilanus today. Um, fine. Okay. Um, but that's, uh, that's what Klai Yisrael is, is all about. That's what Klai Yisrael is all about. We started with Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, and we're going to end with Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. So Rabbi Yisrael Salanter once said the following thing. He said, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was amazing. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter said the following thing, and I've said it before, but it's, it's beautiful. Listen to what he said. He says, when I was young, when I was young, I wanted to change the world. He was very ambitious, Rabbi Salanta. He wanted to change the entire world. And he said, I set out to do just that. I set out to change the world. He says, but I was miserably failing. I was not able to change the world. I tried, I couldn't. I tried to make them more, uh, you know, to learn Musar and to daven better and to learn better. Whatever Rishel Salanta was trying to do, it wasn't, it wasn't flying. It wasn't, no, one was, no one was buying into it. So he said, I said, you know what, maybe I, I set my goals too high. Maybe the world is too big a place. So I'm going to change my country. My country is doable. I can't change people in, in other countries, but I can change people in my own country. So he said, he started traveling and he started giving mustache. It wasn't going. It didn't go. 
He says, you know what? Forget about my country. Country is a big place also. I'm going to change my community, the little community that I lived in, whatever. He lived in a few communities over his life. I don't know exactly when he said this, but whatever community he lived in at the time, I'm going to change my community. That's not hard, right? I, I, there are local shuls, there's local uh, mikvahs, there's shtiva. I, I could do a lot in my community. I could change things here. Spiyadi says it didn't work. People were not buying what I was doing. They weren't buying what I was selling. He says, you know what? Forget my community. Forget the world. Forget the I'll change my family. That's doable. Everybody, you know, thinks that they could tinker with their family. My kid isn't waking up early enough and, and, and my daughter isn't doing this the right way. My wife is not doing that the right way. And, you know, different. I'm going to fix my family. Yeah. And he says, I wasn't able to do that. You know, it was a failure. I failed at every step of the way. And my plan was going down, down, down. And it was, it was about to crash and burn. He says, and then you know what I did? I did something very interesting. I said, stop trying to change other people. Stop trying to change other people and change yourself. He says, and that's what I started doing. I started working deeply in myself, within myself. And I started learning Musser more and really taking it in better and, and, and absorbing the lessons and looking at myself and with a critical eye and trying to make this better in my life and that better in my life, being a better husband, being a better father, being a better friend, being a better Rob, being a better community uh, member, being a better citizen. I was trying to change myself. And after a long time, Rabbi Salsalandi says, I finally succeeded. I made myself a changed person. I made myself a better individual, a better yid. And that's not the end of his quote. He says, when I did that, a remarkable thing happened. As soon as I changed myself, suddenly my family began to change. Not because I, I, I gave them a Musa Shmuz. I didn't do anything to them anymore. I stopped trying to intervene on what they were doing. I changed myself, but when I changed, it had a ripple effect on my family. My family said, oh, if he's so good, I'm going to be good. If he's dominating like a mensch, I'm going to dominate like a mensch. If he's, if he's spending so much time uh, learning, I'm going to spend so much time learning. If he's doing so much chesed, I'll do chesed. And then you know what happened? Besides his family, it spilled over beyond his family to his community. And his community changed for the better. And then after his community changed for the better, like a, like a tidal wave spreading across all boundaries, his country became better and the world became better. And in, indeed, Rabbi Shal Salanto changed the world. There's no doubt about it that the world is a different place because Rabbi Shal Salanto lived here. We're all different. The Musr, the Ashkafa, the, the, you know, all of the introspection, the El is different, the year is different. Musr say there. Everything that we have is from Rabbi Shal Salanto in this regard. He changed the world, but he didn't change it by criticizing other people, he changed it by beginning with himself and ending with himself and realizing that when we could change personally, then we can change the world. And so that's, I think, a, a great lesson to take from the parsha. And this, we're living with this parsha. This parsha is living with us. Corona is a lesson in bedidus. We're living in a magefa. We're living in a time perhaps unprecedented in human history in certain ways. And we have to daven like crazy. We have to learn better. We have to get closer. We have to do tshuva. 
but keep it a personal endeavor. Don't make it your mission to save Klal Yisrael. Make it your mission to save yourself. And then once you do that, Klal Yisrael will be much, much a better nation if that's possible, because we as individuals are better. And that's an opportunity that we have right now in Bedidas. No one knows why we're here or what we're But this might be a, a very good lesson to take at least during this interim period until we get back to Yeshiva, until we get back to our shuls, until, we, until life resumes amidst Hashem soon, back to normal, that we're able to, to daven like a mensch. You know, as much as I criticized before people that, made, that make these backyard minyanim, and maybe it was a, a Misa Lister, I shouldn't have said that about people that you know, that, that are going against Rabbanan and Paiskim, and, and they shouldn't be doing that. But I want to just say something else. You see a beauty in Klai Yisrael that they're doing that, because what does it mean? Why are they making backyard minyan? When I was in a, a supermarket the other day, there were two Hasidim that were talking to each other privately, but with, within an earshot of me. So, and they said, we're making a mincha minyan in the, in the parking lot in five minutes. And I was like, you know, I didn't go because I knew that the Rabban and the Pais can say not to, but I was tempted to go. I wanted to hear a Kaddish. Haven't heard a Kaddish in a month. Haven't said Yeshmei Rabban in a month. Haven't said uh, Kiddush in a month. Haven't done with a, with a minion in a month. I really want, I didn't go, but I wanted to go. But that yearning, those Gaguim that you didn't have all over the world to make these porch minyanim, to make these backyard minyanim, albeit misguided and something that's usher to do. And there are Paiskim that say the brachas that you make there are brachal of atalo because you're not allowed to do it. It's mitzvah baba beir maybe. But after all that is said and done, but still don't look at people negatively. They're misguided, but at least what are they trying to do? Are they trying to, you know, steal, uh, steal food? Are they trying to, to, you know, to watch something that's us? They're trying to daven. That's all they want. They want to daven. We all want to daven. Klai Yisrael is a beautiful nation. We have to look at Klai Yisrael with perfect eyes and grow, use this time to grow personally, to find what we need to do, to find our inner, inner gaguim, and to try to work on them, whether it's to daven a little better, to bench a little better, to make brachas a little better, and asher yatsar, I think would be a great, if you're asking, you know, personally, some advice from what I'm trying to work on. It's hard, you know, at, at, when you come out of the bathroom, you make an ashriyatza, right? So we just, in general, when we're busy, we have, we have to go back to shir, we have to go back to class, we have a chavrusa. So I find myself, especially, I'm, I'm talking to myself again. You know, what do you do? You mumble an ashriyatza as you're, you know, going from one room to another room, and you're not, you have zero kavana, but these are days that you have to appreciate an ashriyatza. You know what an ashriyatza is? After made our bodies function. And you know what a miracle that is, that our bodies are functioning healthy? That Baruch Hashem, all the people here that are, 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 on the, are on the Zoom class together, we're not hearing it from a hospital bed. We're not on a ventilator. We're not on a respirator. We don't need a catheter inside of us to, to relieve ourselves. We don't need intravenous feeding. These are times that we have to think about these things. We have the time and we have the, the inspiration, so let's think about this. Let's use this time wisely to grow from the experience. That's the predicament that we're in. 
the parsha is telling us that the that stop speaking Lashon Hara about Klai Yisrael, stop looking to blame, and look inward. And Amit Hashem, if we could do that, then I have no doubt in the world that before you know it, we will be back in our beautiful Beis Medrash on 150th Street, or maybe in Yerushalayim, and we'll be able to learn together Geshmak, and to daven together Geshmak, and to spend Shabbos together Geshmak, and to have Chavrusas, and to have Rabbeim, and to have Titian, and to have everything, instead of doing it virtually, we'll be able to do it with a reality. So I want to wish everybody a beautiful Shabbos, and a great Rish Chaydesh, a Chaydesh Tov, and everybody should stay healthy and safe and strong and gesund. And you should know that I love you and I miss you. And Amit Hashem, we will meet in person very soon. Have a great Shabbos, a good Chaydesh. Shabbos.